This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A. bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with the salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary of over $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 signing bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the Adventures in Angular link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hire to get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hire.com slash Adventures in Angular. Ready to master Angular? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to our classes in St. Louis or San Francisco, angularbootcamp.com. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is a provider I use to host all of my creations. All the shows are hosted there along with any other projects I come up with. Their user interface is simple and easy to use, their support is excellent, and their VPSs are backed on solid-state drives and are fast and responsive. Check them out at DigitalOcean.com. If you use the code AngularAdventures, you'll get a $10 credit. This episode is sponsored by Telerik, the makers of Kendo UI. Kendo UI integrates seamlessly with both AngularJS 1.x and 2.0. It provides everything you need to integrate with AngularJS out of the box, bindings, component configuration directives, template directives, form validation event handlers, and much more. And yet, Kendo UI tooling does not depend on AngularJS, so if you want to use it with Angular or not, that's totally up to you. You can check it out at kendoui.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 74 of the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, uh, well, I guess I'm the only regular here. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Uh, quick reminder, go check out JS Remote Conf. That's in a couple weeks. Uh, we also have two special guests this week. We have Burke Holland. Hey, how's it going? And TJ Van Toll. Hey, everyone. Do you want to introduce yourselves really quickly? I mean, my name is Burke Holland, and I am the Director of Developer Relations at Telerik. I live in Nashville where it's like 80 degrees uh, this December. I, I guess that's you. thanks to El Nino, but that's me. And uh, lately doing a lot of mobile stuff uh, with TJ here, specifically around NativeScript. Awesome. TJ, how about you? I'm TJ. I am from Lansing, Michigan, where it is currently not 80 degrees. Burke is a developer advocate for Teller 2. Burke is actually my boss. I have focused mostly on web development in my career and slowly moving into mobile with projects like NativeScript. So. If you complain about your boss, TJ, we won't tell him. All right. We can edit that part out, right? That's right. He'll never know. <laughs> He'll never hear it. So native script. It's, it's kind of funny because we talk a lot, and by a lot, I mean a lot, about web development and the DOM and how Angular deals with that. And at Angular Connect, there was an entire talk and part of the big announcements, uh, set of announcements, you know, they were talking about native script with Angular. And I was like, well, I thought, Native script was native. And so then I was like, okay, the DOM. And your talk really kind of explained how that's possible with Angular 2, where it's not with Angular 1. And it's specifically because it doesn't tie to the DOM. Do you, do you want to talk about some of the other changes to Angular 2 that make it something that you can actually use with native script? So as you said, when you look at Angular 1, sort of uh, the code that actually tied it to the DOM was actually baked into Angular directly. So mm -hmm. It would have things like as part of its data binding or its, its sort of binding approach, it would know how to propagate that specifically to the DOM 
and explicitly to the DOM. And if you look at some of the changes in Angular 2, what has been done is that sort of interaction with the DOM is now at an abstracted level, uh, where there's a part of Angular 2 that just sort of says, uh, sort of an abstract way, here's what you do if you want to, say, append a child. And in the DOM, there's a specific implementation that We'll say, okay, well, that's document.append child, and here's how you actually append a DOM node. But because that's now in, a, in an abstracted layer, it makes it possible for Angular 2 to be used in things that aren't the DOM. Basically, all you have to do is implement this interface that tells Angular how to sort of make these changes in a world that does not have a DOM. Um, and in the case of NativeScript, what we come in and do is we implement that sort of interface and sort of do the things we need to do so that we can basically render Angular 2 apps in completely native worlds, so native iOS and native Android apps with native user interfaces. Yeah, and if you look at NativeScript, we did an episode on JavaScript Jabber on NativeScript, so if you really want the details of what NativeScript is and how it works, I would recommend you go check that out. I don't think we're going to... Well, we'll talk about some of the basics, but I don't think we're going to dive as deep into that as much as the Angular tie-ins with NativeScript. But, you know, essentially what you're doing is you have your XML markup that constitutes your template or your view. And Angular manipulates that in the same way that it manipulates the DOM on a web page. Yep, more or less. Like, to get into the very specific level, in an Angular 2 app, you have basically a series of components, or at least mm -hmm. it's the most common thing. And so as part of that, you usually have a template or you point to like a template URL, you point at some external template file. So in that normally, like if you're writing a web app, you would write DOM things in there. You'd have some divs in there. You'd have an input button, whatever. So when, when you're writing a native script app, instead of using DOM components, you would use actual native script UI elements. So you would have a R button component, which we then delegate that down to a UI button on iOS or an Android.widget.button on Android. But basically, you're, you're typing R UI components instead of typing out DOM components. But other than that, it's basically the same Angular 2 that you would use as part of your web app. That's really interesting. So there really weren't that many changes you had to, or you just had to implement that view layer, that template layer, that tie-in, and the rest of it just works as you would normally expect a regular Angular 2 app to work. Yeah, th there's more to it than just that. I'm I'm sort of oversimplifying things okay. for just just uh, for simplicity, because there's other changes too. When you think about how routing works and the difference between that and okay. when you're routing in a browser, there's specific HTML5 push state APIs and different things that Angular do. And in a native world, those aren't quite there. So it's more complex than just that. But I, I think that's sort of the way I think about it at a high level for what needs to be done. So I guess the thing that I'm wondering then is, because I kind of get, okay, so I can mostly write an app in native script with Angular 2 the way I would write apps for the web with a few minor differences. So if I wanted to get started with native script and use Angular 2 in there, well, what's kind of the process for setting up a new application? The first thing I think you'd want to do is just go through the basically the native script getting started steps, like figure out how to get a native script app up and sort of bootstrapped and up and running. The actual Angular integration is done through a plugin. So in native script, we have this concept of plugins. Um, if you're curious, you can go to our docs, docs.nativescript.org. There's a plugin section. We also have a little collection of plugins and plugins.telerik.com. So you could head over there and look for more details on what plugins are. But basically, there are different ways that you can extend or augment what NativeScript provides natively. 
And Angular is implemented that way. So after you have your native script app set up, like you could just set up a simple Hello World native script app, you would go through and actually add the plugin to your app. And that sort of makes the necessary changes to the, the core native script framework to allow you to write the different native scripts or the different Angular syntaxes, I should say. So the native script Angular plugin has a dependency on Angular 2 itself. So just by installing that, you'll get Angular in there as well. I think it's important to sort of clarify that native script itself is really just a runtime and, and it wasn't something that was created specifically for Angular 2. So everything that we, we add into it sort of gets added in as a plugin, something that you, like a Lego piece that you snap in. And so Angular 2 is just a big Lego piece that snaps onto the top of native script and works. And theoretically speaking, I mean, you can do the same thing for React or, you know, any of these Vue.js or Backbone, you know, if you want to roll old school. If you wanted to, you could create these different plugins for the runtime. Um, and the runtime just knows how to, how to deal with Angular 2 and then how to render that out to native components. It's, it's the renderer, right? Sort of Angular 2 stops at the proto views and then hands that off to native script, which then takes that and knows what to do with it. That makes sense. So if somebody were to decide, okay, I'm going to write just a vanilla native script app, what does Angular actually give them as far as power features or anything like that? I mean, the big thing that it buys you is skill reuse, I would say. Mm -hmm. So when you build a native script app today, like we try to let you reuse skills that you already have as, say, like a web or Node developer. So that would be things like we use the same common JS syntax that Node uses. We let you use NPM modules. You use CSS for styling, those sorts of things. But one thing that you have to learn sort of anew if you're building a native script app today is sort of our conventions for how to build up views, how to do data binding. So these are things that you come into NativeScript and you won't already have known those things. You sort of have to learn our APIs for doing it. And what the Angular 2 integration really lets you do is use those same conventions that if you're learning Angular 2 to, say, build a web app, then you should be able to take the skills, those sort of APIs, and use those for building components in your NativeScript app. So you, you can reuse some of that knowledge. And another thing, too, that people might be able to do that we're sort of toying with right now is the ability to actually reuse code directly. So have an Angular component that you've built for your web app and just directly taking that component and utilizing it in your native script app. I was actually going to ask about that because we hear all these people talking about code reuse, say, with Node on the back end and uh, something else on the front end. And I just I just haven't seen that work quite the way you would expect. And it seems to me that even though you're using Angular and Angular in this case, instead of Angular and Express or Angular and something else, Sales, you, you've still got concerns that are going to be different, right? So unless your native script app mirrors your web app pretty closely, I, I, I don't know how much code sharing you're going to be able to get. Well, I think that one of the lies that we've sort of learn to tell people um, for some reason is that you can build one application and it will run everywhere. Uh -huh. um, that just doesn't work, especially when it comes to native apps. It's hard enough to do that on the web, uh, virtually impossible to do it. So when somebody says, like comes and says to you, you know, you can build one app and it'll run on iOS and Android and it'll, you know, there's a, that'll be your one single code base. That's generally a lie. And that may be 80% true, but there's 20% platform specific things. It's true um, until so it's not true. Right. It's true until it's not true. And, and I think when it comes to Angular, because of Angular's component model, it allows you to take things like your, you know, historically, if we just say theoretically or generally services and your models and things like that and have those be 
very broad general JavaScript objects that you can then use across applications, then it becomes possible to reuse a good bit of code. Um, right now, if you're, uh, let's say you're a big Java shop, you do Java, and all of your business logic is contained in Java jars, then you have to be able to plug those jars in. And if you can't plug them in, then your business logic is encapsulated in something that you can't get at. And so I think the idea here is that if you create something and you put your business logic in JavaScript objects, that you can then share that between the web and now also on mobile devices and on the desktop as well with Electron. So we're sort of now just now getting to a point where we ha- actually have code reuse in a language that's supported on all those platforms. So one example that I can see with this is data models. So most data models in Angular are encapsulated in one way or another in services. And so as you build out these services, they're all generally built around XML HTTP requests or AJAX. And what you're saying is, is because native script has an XML HTTP request implementation and the, all of all of our browsers do and Chromium does, which is what Electron is built upon. You can share those services across all of those different systems and then feed the JSON or the JavaScript objects out to the rest of your application. Yep, I'd say that's pretty pretty much spot on. I mean, I like to think of it in terms of the code sharing really is most practical when it's for the mundane things. So you hit it, like data models, services. Um, Business I mean, logic. That, yeah, exactly. Like, I like to think of it in my head is like, if you're writing an iOS and Android app, like no one in the world wants to know how to make an HTTP call in Objective-C or Java code. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Nobody wants to do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the power of this sort of approach really plays in. Like that's just one of those things that you just want to assume. Like I don't want to care about how to do that because it's just a very simple, straightforward thing. Now where it gets way more complex is when you talk about the actual interface or the view. So although there's the potential to share code for that sort of thing, the, for like directly outputting the views. I think for most situations, it's probably unrealistic to assume that you'd sort of directly be able to share your view code between your web and your native apps. I think it's more realistic to think that you'll have a completely separate interface that you'll use for the web and your native apps, but that you'll be able to share a lot of your backend and service code. Yeah, I also need to uh, tell John, because we were talking about this with components and directives a couple of weeks ago, and he mentioned, well, why in the world would you need a component that can have two different templates? And I can see that if people think that they can use the same component with different templates, one for native script and one for the web, then they may be looking at it and going, okay, that would be really convenient. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's exactly right. And that's part of the power of Angular 2 is that it allows you to do that, to, to switch very quickly between those two. Um, because you're going to ha- you're really going to have to write the view layer most likely mm-hmm. more than once. I mean, that's just reality. Um, and so being able to quickly plug in view layers though, without having to switch out the rest of your code is something that's, we've never, that's like Nirvana. We haven't yeah. actually got there yet. Yeah. And Angular 2 doesn't really do that. You have to specify what the template is. Yeah. So like one thing you can do that we've been playing with internally is so the the components have this template URL property. Uh And so what you can do is you can have like some sort of a build system that says, okay, well, for the web, point the URL at this template and for your native app, point it at this template. But again, this is something that because Angular 2 is so new, because all of this is, is so new, I think that you just need some time for the community and all of us to sort of play with this and come up with best practices and come up with what is actually realistic for building practical apps. Yeah, I was going to say Burke put it very well earlier when he said that not all of these systems are going to be the same. And so 
you may be able to have a component that does all of the right things or all the things you need it to do for both a native script view and for a web view. But I don't know if you can count on that. And I don't know how much of that is really going to happen. I think we are going to see it shake down a little bit and really get a feel for how realistic that is. The other thing, too, is that there's a ton of different use cases out there. So, I mean, you have businesses that want to just churn out a generated app as quickly as possible, and they don't care. Like, productivity to them is way more important than the user experience or how high quality or polished or designy the actual app is. And then on the flip side of things, you have companies where the final product, the view, how well it performs, how good the user experience is, is absolutely paramount, and that they'll want to customize every last bit of that. And so, I mean, the approach we've really taken with NativeScript is we want to try to enable both ends of that so that if you want that sort of simple churn something out there, you, you can get that sort of thing. But that if you want to customize and fork your code to really, really polish your app, that you're able to do that as well. So one thing that I'm wondering about also with uh, with regards to this, I mean, and, and this goes back to the point that Burke was making where 80% of your code is probably going to be fine to reuse across iOS and Android and if I remember right, Windows Phone is coming with NativeScript. That might have been uh, a different system. I don't remember. Yeah, no, that was at one point in time, that was the case. But I don't know where that stands today. Okay. TJ, do you know if that's still on the roadmap? or? It is on the roadmap, but it's not something that is probably coming in the, the short-term okay. future. It's more like middle to end of 2016. So it's something that's that's certainly being considered, but it's not something that we're actively saying is going to be right. soon. I will say the fact that Microsoft open sourced their Chakra JavaScript engine um, makes it much, much easier. So prior to that, we had no idea how we were going to do that because we couldn't get at the, the VM. But we can now, so it makes it a lot easier. That's awesome. Um, the question I was going to ask, though, is that with these platform-specific customizations you have to make, maybe some in the logic, I think most of it's going to happen in the template or view. How do you manage that in Angular? Do you put it into uh, an Android component or an iOS component, or do you work it in some other way? So NativeScript itself, we have a couple different ways that you can fork your code for Android and iOS. So at one, probably the, the ultimate way of forking your code is we have a naming convention that you can name any file dot android.js dot uh ios.js same thing for your xml files and so you could do that for an angular component like if you wanted to say this is the angular component i'm going to use for android and this is the one i wanted to use for ios you'd call it like my component dot android.js and my component dot ios.js and what our build system will do is that it'll actually just for the android app it'll only package the one with the dot android name and vice versa for ios so that's one way that you could say if I wanted to provide entirely different implementations, I could do that. But I, I think that's fairly uncommon, at least with what I've been doing, because usually there's at least something that you want to share between the two platforms. Mm -hmm. It's common that you want to just have completely different implementations. Right. What I find to be more common is in our actual XML implementations,